welcome to the charvak podcast this is your host kushal mehra my guest today is dr ratan sharda and we are going to be talking about his well now it is a book previously it was his phd thesis uh, which is called conflict resolution the rss way sharda sir thanks a lot for coming it's a pleasure always to break my head so, with your arguments जर्नी <laughs> but how was the journey and how how did you go about picking up the topic and then tell us a little bit about why did you decide to convert into a book and and the process right because writing a phd thesis is very different from writing a book so let us talk about that first okay uh, actually for this i must uh, thank my co-author uh, dr ashwant uh, pathak who is uh, appearing as a second author he was my guide for phd and he said you should do a phd on rss i said at this age you want me to do all this is and why not so he was the director at hindu institute of uh, hindu institute of uh, america in orlando and he said you should do it so i said what he said see nobody has studied rss resolutions so i think it's a very important document because rss till it there was a media cell in rss which was in 1990s the only communication was through the resolutions which happened twice a year so whatever policy whatever response uh, rss had to give to the people in general and to the government used to happen only during those resolution times or the akhil bharatiya pratinidhi sabha and the kendriya karyakarini the central working committee so he said if we study this we'll be able to find lot of things that rss does which nobody has realized how it does because people have very uh, they had no idea at all because those resolutions were distributed to media nobody bothered about it so and maybe as i write in the book it was also fault of rss it never bothered to spread it wide and you know insisted on people reading it so that is how my by i began by studying the resolutions now they are very vast as you have seen in the annexure have pointed out the number of topics covered by rss nearly every aspect of national life so what do i pick up so i talked to him and i talked to a very veteran rss pracharak ranga hari ji who is a Uh, one of the foremost thinkers of rss uh, he is retired now he is in kochi so i also talked to him so they suggested a pick up the most serious areas of conflict which is jammu kashmir punjab and northeast initially it was only going to be northeast i was finding it difficult to travel because i had to travel a lot for that so i said let me i gave up i said see maine jitna padha mujhe lagta nahi main kar paunga i called books from uh, rambamal ki prabodhini read those books over 5 6 months I said, Patak sir, I don't think I will do it. And he said, "Nee, nee, karo gaya." I said, "Okay, I'll write a book, but thesis I think is uh, requires much more application, which I don't have the time." He said, "No, try out." So then I started digging in. So I met people. I studied various resolutions. I started reading various references from various sources, and then slowly these things came into shape. So I would say, in the out of four four years, I worked for three years because in one year I nearly given up. So I restarted the whole process. and uh, that's how it happened so since i used to travel anywhere during those times for rss also i met many people i met many pracharaks who have been in northeast uh, jammu kashmir study center people and pracharaks who have worked there and being from punjab and having lived in punjab during the worst terrorist days there's 1980s 90s 
during textile my textile business days of the family i used to go there every 2 3 months during the worst times of terrorism and uh, i had sense and i had experienced that terror uh, you know myself kabhi utarte the they would say kal ji bus mein goliyan se uda di hai they would say pichle hafte gaadi puri uda di thi you know logon ko nikal ke maar diya tha so we had seen all that uh, but since we are talking about it i will say that even at that time the social divide was not so uh, not so bad as it is right now which is i would say a, a big gain for khalistani people and in the, all these years they have been able to create a narrative which is totally different from what the real culture of punjab is so this is how i started off and uh, it was a huge uh, thesis generally thesis don't have so many uh, so many words i think thesis was nearly uh, 180000 words or something then i rewrote uh, then when i wanted to publish it publishers ke academic hai iska kuch hoga nahi so then i had some discussions and finally sandeep singh you know gave an idea ki sir isko conflict resolution ki tarah treat karo that gave me the right click and then i went on writing the book during covid for nearly 8 to 10 months finally took shape so that is how sort of thesis it became a book finally and uh, i got my thesis vetted by i supposed to vet by three people i got it vetted by five people so anything there was and there are some critical comment there are some good comments so finally this went through so at the age of 60 i did my phd <laughs> it's it, it's very inspiring sir i mean i should learn from you but but just one one more follow up sir on this so as a writer what is the difference when you are writing a book and writing a thesis what are the differences that you faced see in, i would say in academics you don't have worry about uh, the how free flowing the language is how connected the the different uh, arguments are and how there is a continuous uh, flow of ideas because you treat each episode each idea as a different part you know and you you study a resolution that pick up various uh, references to it so you are not really that uh, you are not looking at the reader you are looking at the study and the data but when you are writing a book you look at uh, what reader will find easier to read so that is a major difference how you uh, uh, put the things together how the da- how the information flows which makes it interesting so that is why i had to rewrite the whole thing i had to cut down the resolution sizes where they were uh, relevant and i had to add, i had to add new data because this was in 2018 so it was two more years of information that has to get in so that is the main difference the language and the flow of the ideas i think that is the main difference and uh, as i said you are not into some general readers market so you know academics will read this they know what it is and you look at pure data at that time so that i would say is the major difference all right so sir now let's get into part one obviously your book is divided into three parts as you said in the beginning the first one is jammu and kashmir the next one is punjab and then obviously you look at it um, or the overall northeastern region now let's start with jammu and kashmir now uh you have shared a lot of resolutions obviously I, the resolutions are there in all the three cases but but i want to talk about especially from a jammu and kashmir perspective how did you go about that that what is the selection process then they, when you have an organization like rss that spans such a vast length and breadth so does the rss have like a a, a systematic body where resolutions are passed they are vetted or or it's like a decentralized system uh, see uh, f- uh, first of all uh, if you i have explained the methodology of resolution passing 
सी अखिल भारतीय प्रतिनिधि सभा इज बॉडी ऑफ द डेलीगेट्स इन विच देर आर डिफेक्टो मेंबर्स और यू नो बाई डिफॉल्ट मेंबर्स हु आर राइट फ्रॉम स्टेट वर्किंग कमिटी टू द रीजनल वर्किंग कमिटी वॉट इज कॉल्ड क्षेत्र एंड द सेंट्रल वर्किंग कमिटी दोज आर द members by default then there are elections also which is surprise to many so right from district level there are elections where you choose a two or three delegates who are very regular and very uh, sincere workers of rss who have done many years of service so those delegates are elected and they form the akhil bharati pratinidhi sabha now numbers have increased a bit earlier it was not that much so th- then the process of resolution passing comes anybody can offer a resolution so the resolution is discussed very thoroughly sometimes over 2 3 days a particular resolution may be discussed depending on the seriousness of the issue or you know complexity for example in the case of jammu kashmir the only time when a background paper was prepared and presented to the delegates to uh, actually discuss it you will find in the book that background paper also in a summarized form where the study group was set up they studied the whole thing because nobody really understood what jammu kashmir issues uh, how complex they were and not only that if you find as i noted later on somewhere in 2000 there is again a very deep study by jammu kashmir study center was formed by some rss people and they did they went through the all exercise and that is when article 35 and ill effects were discovered that how it has become the main problem and why it is not pok but pojk so all these issues were much more vividly described in the later part of the rss life which also shows that rss has is always ready to reform its ideas modified ideas based on the latest information and it goes about it so it's a, a very very thorough discussion some of the discussion which are taken a lot of uh, you know excited discussion is for example reservations or another discussion which went into deep uh, circles then there is also this northeast where people had to be explained then in case of jammu kashmir the first time the division of you know division of jammu kashmir was presented by rss and suddenly national conference became so uh, so disturbed that they had to specially write articles to oppose the idea that why it is against the kashmiri at etc etc secondly my view was that i did then kendriya karyakarini of course is a, a central working committee which is made up of the top uh, leaders of the rss so there also resolutions get passed they are they are at the six months part generally so somewhere around uh, march april the uh, the akhilit akhil bharati patini sabha meets and somewhere around october uh, this uh, central committee meets and those resolutions as i saw if you see my book i have relied more on outside information because i wanted to show that when rss passed this resolution when it gave certain views what was the actual position in the society at that time what was the political situation so my book if you see the resolution part and my explanation of the references of rss resolution is uh, not that huge as is the other references so newspaper references leaders statements so what are the society at that time thinking and doing the so called mainstream society and how rss despite despite being of the mainstream in the sense that it had different view points it didn't shy away from making those points very strongly secondly even that opposed the government policies in jammu kashmir or in punjab criticized them it always stood by the government when the question of national integrity was there so you can criticize but you still can work for the nation and thirdly the role of voluntary organizations can be very important currently what happens that when you call of voluntary organization or ngos they are generally 
there to support the terrorists, support the separatists in the name of human rights, etc. For example, when you go to Punjab, you will find that once the Punjab uh, issue was more or less resolved, suddenly the human rights uh, lobby which was hiding in the cupboards came out and put up cases in hundreds against the police people and police officers. So the role of uh, uh, voluntary organizations cannot be just negative. It can also be critical, but it can also help resolve the issues. That is where RSS uh, views stood. So I picked up the background history what RSS was when this particular issue began in the, let, let us say 1947 in those areas, how it built slowly its work, how in different areas it had different approach and how its approach generally proved to be the final uh, you know, resolution that you see today, for example, uh, re revocation of uh, nullification of Article 370 or removal of 35A or scrapping the Jammu Kashmir constitution. Similarly, in North, it is was more to do with the seva and education to uh, and also reviving the tra traditional tribal cultures. And Punjab, it was directly confronting the Khalistanis and refusing to uh, let them uh, differentiate or divide society there. So each place, depending on its strength and also depending on the issue at there, continuously studying what's happening on the ground and presenting its views. That's how it went about. So two interesting facts that I actually want to talk about, and maybe you can talk about this one the first because I had highlighted in the book. So in the book, you talk about a historical fact where RSS Sarasangchalak Golwalkarji visited the Maharaja of Kashmir, Hari Singh. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this incident? Because I honestly did not know about this till I read your book. I had no clue about it. That this had actually happened. Yeah. See, actually, Guruji never publicized any of his work. He was totally against any kind of propaganda, any kind of publicity, any kind of creating news around what he did or RSS did. In fact, there is an interesting anecdote which I have described in another book where some, uh, I think the book was this new book released again. That is now it can be told by Ian Bali. So this this was, this book was released in 1940, published in 1948 after that gentleman who was an economics professor came to India. And it is a very it's highly fact-driven database uh, material done by academics. So it's one of the best books on partition time. So when this book was asked to be released in Jalandhar, Guruji refused. Because there is one chapter there which talks about RSS role, very the chapter is called Friends uh, Friends in Need. I have quoted very little from that particular book. So this I got a PDF of that book. It is it was not available. Nehru had got it removed from all the shelves of various places without banning it. So when this book was to be released, he said I will not release the book. They said why? He said see, uh, did you uh, the person who called him said did you uh, you know serve your mother in the night? Did you do required say for her? He said yes. He said, I didn't read it in the newspaper. So he said, what do you mean? He said, when you serve your motherland, you're not supposed to publicize it. You're not, there is no need to publicize. He also told himself that, see, I know you people have done a lot of sacrifice. We have done a lot of sacrifice. But I, why I don't thank you? Why I don't loud you? Because that is your duty as a part of the family. So that in mind, Guruji never talked about the visit to Srinagar. But it was, it was mentioned by academics who wrote the RSS history of those times. Jammu Kashmir Khan Kani Khan Kahani etc. which I have noted in the reference section. So it was not accepted by the people though it was it was also documented well. Then finally an IS officer who was working under Indira Gandhi. I don't remember now. now the, uh, sorry under Sonia Gandhi. When he wrote his book he has again mentioned the same episode about Guruji's visit to Maharaja. 
it is said that Sardar Patel thought that we have to persuade Maharaja. The problem with Maharaja was that Nehru didn't want him to, uh, you know, merge with India till he gives Sheikh Abdullah the power. And he had animosity for Maharaja because Maharaja had told him not to come to Kashmir uh, for fighting up Sheikh Abdullah's case without permit. He came, he was detained and sent back. So he had that very strong grudge against uh, Maharaja that I will see to it that you don't know who we are talking to. So he had that grudge, deep grudge and he had deep love for Sheikh Abdullah as we all know. So uh, Sardar Patel asked Guruji that is, uh, that is said in by other people also that you should visit Maharaja and uh, you know try to persuade him. So he went there. There are so many eyewitness accounts who ISIS leaders were with him. So he had to wait a minute. Finally, when he came out, nobody knows inside what happened. When he came out, he said that, okay, Guruji, I will definitely, uh, definitely uh, you know, try to resolve the problem and do as you say. So then he again proposed merger uh, of Jammu Kashmir, a section of Jammu Kashmir, which was again been held for a long time. I have quoted Mahajan, Mahajan, who was Prime Minister of uh, the Mahajan that day. He clearly said that I said, okay, you know, going and standing in Pakistan. That is when Sheikh Abdullah came to the room. So he was sitting in the back room at that time. And he said, So Guruji was persuaded Maharaja So he went and he did a job. As I said, but basically, Guruji never talked about whatever he has done with his people. But that's a fact now. Very accepted fact now. All right, sir. Another fact that I wanted to talk about with you uh, is on this subject. And I want to read a specific quote um, from your book. So let us talk about this also. So I'll first read the exact quote from your book. You say, after the 1989 exodus, RSS work in Kashmir nearly shut down, except in the form of social service work still being done by RSS-inspired people. Jammu has a strong RSS presence, while Ladakh has social service centers run by its affiliates. According to Chand, a swamsevak from Kupwara district, there were 100 shakhas in that district in 87-88. Bapurao Moge, one of the senior most pracharaks and organizing pracharak of the north region, visited the Kashmir Valley during this period. There were three large gatherings in the valley during this time in Srinagar, Sheetalnag and Sapor under the banner of Hindu Youth Forum. During 1988 to 1990, approximately 20 RSS workers were killed in a targeted manner. Jammu Kashmir Sahayata Samiti was set up by RSS-inspired Sansevaks and other citizens in 1991 to help displace Kashmiri Hindus who fled Kashmir in 1989 to 1990. It eased their pain of settling and met their education requirements. I just want to state it for the record that all these claims that Shardaji has made in the book, they are clearly backed up by references in the paragraphs. There are, I think this is reference number 12, 13, 14, and 15. Uh, so, sir, uh, can we talk about uh, the, this time uh, during the RSS era? That... Okay, so you're talking about those times. And they said that we had our, you know, we had prepared for the, for defending ourselves also if required, you know, Go in the uh, go out and you know fight with those people, but they were so outnumbered. They said thousands of people came with various kind of arms, and we were just about 100 or 200 families. So they had finally to uh, leave the place. And in fact, one of the person uh, who actually came to Jammu to uh, prepare for something else suddenly found his family there, and he was a pracharak at that time. He found that family has also come to Jammu. It was it was such a sudden, horrible condition at that time. So those are the times when, before that, when RSS work was going on uh, in all the regions, 
But after this, where after 1990, hardly many swamisaks were left. In fact, many few Hindus were left. And in one of the episodes, I talk about when uh, uh, Tikala Tapluji was uh, killed and terrorists challenged anybody to come and take the body. The swamisaks went there, took the body and gave it a cremation. So that is the kind of courage they had. But they were simply outnumbered. And government, uh, as you know, government was totally helpless. They had no role to play. In fact, could be, it could be said they were not at all interested in what is happening there. As uh, one of the researchers have talked about, uh, Kashinath Panditaji, that there was a garrison with nearly one lakh soldiers in Srinagar. But they were not asked to go to the go on the uh, go to the uh, go to, go in the go out in the open and quell the riots and terrorists were released at that time. It was sort of horrible condition and naturally RSS after all they were human they had limited numbers and those Samsung had to then you know turn out like any other Kashmiri Hindus. Another interesting bit, sir, is that you know you talk about that. You know, how the affiliated RSS organizations used to indulge in a lot of work for alleviating the pain of, uh, you know, average Kashmiri Hindus. But here's the thing. Sir, how the hell does any of this not get mentioned anywhere? Even in RSS literature, I mean, it took your book. It's not question See, what has happened actually, see, RSS has has researchers written the book, as I talked about, you know, there is a book about agony of Jammu Kashmir by Narendra, uh, by uh, one, one ex-pracharak, then there is a book by two, three researchers on Jammu Kashmir, Gankai Kahani, where they have given detailed district by district work done by RSS. But unfortunately, what happens that RSS books, when published by RSS publishers, I mean, very frank, they don't get into market nor do they get any promotion. So although those are documented, those are not available to common people. You have to search for them. For example, I found a book, very wonderful book on uh, nationality written by Ranga Hariji in Hindi. It was one of the best books, uh, one of the most original books on the origin of Rashtratva nationality or the concept of nation right from Vedic times uh, written in Hindi with huge references, not a single Western reference. And that book is hardly available. Then I made some noises and some distributors kept it. So it's the question of getting those books across to people. It's not that there is no work done. But unfortunately, it remains. There are a lot of regional works done by regional authors. And there are books which are in Hindi and English. But somehow, distribution is an area where RSS has not been doing very well. Slowly, they are trying to do. That is the reason I chose always. I am not deriding what our RSS people do in publishing and distribution. But I chose to go for outsider, outside publication publishers. So big book gets exposed to non-RSS people. So there we are weak. I would say RSS is weak in that area. But the documentations are there, but not yet to the level that communists have, for example, or others have, for example. For writing this book, I went, went to the documentation center. I found huge data there, huge number of documents there. They are still being digitized. So there is a lot of work going on. But as of now, it's a weak area where actually even the book is published. I have got those books back here, which are some of the best books on what RSS during those, did during those times. But yes, not enough is available as, you know, uh, easily available. Another interesting aspect that I found was that, you know, RSS was like, you talk about this. 
RSS did not want India to become a satellite to any powerful country. It was equally critical of people who tried to take India into the Russian orbit. Now, what was the mindset of the RSS then it, when it comes to this? Because this is more of a foreign policy thing, right? See, Guruji's quotation I have given in one place where he says that your uh, our our uh, way of working, our governments, governance, our what we choose to drive our nation to the uh, to progressive path should be based on our own thinking otherwise if you copy russia's policies you are you are not uh, swatantra you are russian tantra if you choose america you are not swatantra you are american tantra so your tantra has to be your own what we call your own swabhav your own thinking your own uh, cultural and your historical ideas based on that if you do the governance it will be rooted to your own thinking and it will lead you to a higher path. Unfortunately, as we know that we had simply copied Western ideas, we had simply copied Western ideologies. So that caution of Guruji was not listened to. In fact, that is one of the criticism of Guruji that he opposed constitution, this, that. But it is very clear that we have enough our own knowledge, which, uh, which can be basis of our own progress, our own policies. That is how the integral humanism came up. That is how various policies were discussed. But unfortunately, they were not followed. That is the reason you find that we are cut off from our own ideas. That is why we have taken so many years to recognize what we are. But then, sir, what do you make of the accusations on RSS? In fact, one of the complaints about them is they are influenced by European Enlightenment values, while some others will say they are anti-intellectual. Then how? <laughs> this is what I've never understood about the RSS complaint zone. Because they get accused of everything. It's like... To, how the hell did the RSS manage to get abused about everything under the sun? See, to give you one example, the Hindutva book by Ar Savarkar was written in 1923 and Main Kampf of Hitler came out in 1925. So naturally, Hindutva was not influenced by Hitler because Ar Savarkar wrote the book before Hitler. Secondly, when RSS, uh, uh, when uh, Dr. Hedgevar talked about Hindu Rashtra, it was not related to any kind of nationalism that Western had the idea of. That is why I talked about Rangari's book where he clearly says that our idea of nas nationality, Rashtratva and our spirit of nationhood is very different from the Western world. Ours was based on natural coming together of people, natural duty to each other, what we call Dharma, and based on which slowly the evolution of Rashtra happened. So he, he, talk, he goes back to Vedas, then comes to uh, Ramayana, Mahabharata and the modern times, medieval times, etc. While in case of the nationalism that Europe talks about, was born about 2-300 years back. So when we talk of Rashtra in, uh, uh, in uh, Vedas, uh, at least 70-80 uh, times, <coughs> in fact, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, Hariji talks about 72 times of Rashtra. So naturally we are not talking about the Rashtra that uh, Europe talks about. So there is no reason. We already we already had our culture. There was no need for our Renaissance. All we needed was Renaissance our own culture. We didn't need Western culture, Renaissance to really promote us. If you are, you are looking at, if you look at Raja Ramon Rai, those people were highly influenced by the British. They were highly influenced by the Western idea of Renaissance. But we didn't have, we already had our Renaissance. We just wanted people to remind what you have, what kind of culture you have, what kind of sense of nation you do have, what is the cultural underpinning of this entire nation. In fact, one of the points that I raise about the book is that reason we could fight insurgents for so long compared to any other country, any other nation in the world and still able to retain our integrity without, you know, 
any loss uh, in terms of geography or in terms of break of India was because we are very strong underpinning of cultural nationhood. This is what RSS always stressed. So the RSS concept of Rashtra has nothing to do with European concept of nationhood. And RSS, when talks about the, as we today slowly are realizing, strength of our uh, Sanskriti, strength of our knowledge system, strength of our science, mathematics, and all those things which are supposed to be myths. Now, as evidence comes out, we know that we already had all those things. So that is why we stress that this is what is required to be awakened. We didn't need, Dr. Hedivar never talked of Europe even once in his lifetime. Never. He talked only once. He said that by, he knew that by 1940, Second World War will come. And if we are stronger at that time, we are able to snatch freedom from the British. So that is why in the oath, he said, Hindu Rashtra ki swatantra ke liye main Rashtri Swayamsev Sangh ka ghatak ban raha hu. That was the place taken by RSS Swayamsev at that time. Just changed after the uh, independence. So that was very clear cut view that he was totally Bharat centric. He had no connect with the international world. If some Vishindu Parishad person met and met and uh, you know met some European person, it doesn't make any difference to what Hidgevar thought. If he thought that way, he would have not come out of uh, Hindu Mahasabha. He would have remained in Congress. If you look at what Congress thought, Congress was affected by British ideas because. It was founded by a British and that is they copied all the idea of debating society of ideas of working under the royal crown etc. Because originally what Congress asked for to work as a dominion of the British British Empire. RSS never said it. So this is the problem with the people who took entire reformism, entire reforms movement totally copied from the West or Renaissance movement copied from the West or copying the European history. Because Dr. Ambedkar never agreed with the idea of Aryan Indian theory. Just to give an idea. So we had thinkers that time. We had K.M. Munshi, one of the most wonderful historians and writer who never agreed with what history was taught to us. So had many such great people. RSS had no reason to look outside to get, uh, you know, gain any inspiration. Now, sir, let's get into Punjab. Uh, obviously, uh... Both of us are ethnically Punjabi, although we are all Mumbaikars and Maharashtra ke wasi now. But obviously, we, we do study Punjab, both you and I do. And uh, let me tell you, this was this was the section that I read with a lot of attention. Uh, but before we even start, I want to talk, uh, talk to you about a very specific incident. In fact, let me, let me read, uh, you know... Let me read this this bit. Uh, uh, it's the language issue in Punjab. You know, the language bit. You know, so obviously, as people know, in, in the state of Punjab, language is a huge issue. Uh, there is a good old conflict about whether Punjab should have been using, uh, what script Punjab should be using, what language Punjabi should be speaking. And in this, interestingly, and this has been the trope, I mean, we've all had relatives in Punjab and they all give the same story that RSS and RS Samaj together, uh, by the way, together, they, they use the word of RS Samaj, but RSS ko RS Samaj ke saath, साथ में मतलब जैसे एक के साथ एक फ्री करके आरएसएस को उसमें डाल दिया जाता है दैट दे हैड दिस विजन ऑफ इंपोजिंग ए देवनागरी स्क्रिप्ट एंड बी इंपोजिंग हिंदी एज अ लैंग्वेज ऑफ ऑल ऑफ पंजाब 
now obviously we know the punjabi suba and what punjab was before 1960s and after that now sir let us once and for all clear the facts so what was the rss view on the language issue of punjab see i also had this myth continuously being told that rss opposed punjabi and you know it believed that we should write our hindi as the official language i'll tell you very interesting thing about punjab book which is not known to many i quote in my previous book evolution of rss that when madharamole went to punjab and started working the year started rss shakhas there six won't come saying bhai tum to murti puja karte ho bhagwan do ji murti hai so hum nahi aayenge rss samaji said we will not come because of murti puja so we will not join your shakha so they would come then uh, madharamole would tell him various stories about uh, indian history and uh, you know brave people of khalsa and about hindu and rss samaj etc and they would walk out before the prarthana happened the prayer happened but he went on insisting slowly lot of sikhs uh, joined the rss rss samaj is joined rss rss samaj was another most strong movement in punjab you remember at that time and they had this they in fact there was an animosity between rss samaj and akali there is no doubt about it and when jansang jansang came up in punjab lot of rss samaj is joined jansang so uh, when rss samaj asked people to write hindi as their mother tongue not uh, punjabi jansang also started going the same way but when guruji went there when he came to know he fired them saying that how can he say this your mother tongue is punjabi punjabi like any other language is a national language because for him every regional language is to be national language he said all languages are equal all are national languages so you must write as your language as punjabi it has nothing to do with the religion it is your culture and you cannot do this and he told them to get away from this idea so rss came out of this idea they stopped from, uh, you know entire exercise even jansang people are called they were also told in fact dindyal upadhyay nanaji deshmukh who my quote in the book they said guruji told them you know this is not correct and you must change this attitude and they had to they changed and in 1950 uh, 1956 dindyal upadhyay ji came to punjab and told the karyakartas you don't oppose punjabi suba you don't oppose the language because whether you like it or not punjab will become punjabi suba will become a reality in 10 years and like every other state in india it also has to get its statehood and in exactly 10 years punjabi suba came into being that was in 1966 so they had a very clear cut in fact this press conference uh, his meeting with uh, individuals was uh, you know there are some reporter there who actually released this story in hindustan times saying that guruji has taken this stand though it was not a public meeting and that is how it came to be known that guruji had admonished people who wanted punjabi to be given up in the favor of uh, hindi as a language in census and that is what happened but there are a lot of games played by congress which i elaborated in the book they tried to delay the punjabi suba they tried to delay the punjabi as a language they tried to because they thought that if becomes a reality they will lose control over punjab that is their fear and that is how they, this went on creating a bitterness and even when they divided punjab into himachal punjab and haryana they left some things deliberately unresolved we know fazilka district a bohar district and the question of uh, chandigarh so even after even after creating states the problem was resolved but rss on these issues were very clear and it was though it not uh, you know not recorded well that is the reason i insisted on recording this that rss in fact supported punjabi language and when this came to re- they came to realize that uh, there is a image of rss as being hindi speaking 
and not Punjabi speaking, not supporting. They deliberately have quoted that uh, uh, local prachara at that time. They deliberately, with very lot of effect, they did all their meetings totally in Punjabi from there on. They distributed pamphlets. They went to society, explaining to them the stand of RSS and why they support Punjabi, etc. They slowly broke the ice, which did become a reality because of a lot of uh, negative propaganda. Now, to me, there is this particular paragraph. Again, I want to read this paragraph from your book because this sums up whatever we need to talk about RSS and Punjab. So, so you have written here, RSS was an easy target. A whipping boy in this Congress Akali game, persecution of RSS workers was politically motivated, though they were struggling to maintain Sikh and non-Sikh Hindu RSS terminology, in brackets, unity. Politics seemed to be above national good. This situation saw RSS passing its resolution in 1966 in ABPS, calling for Sikh and non-Sikh amity. In that heated atmosphere, it was a voice of reason, not easily audible. But then, here's my point, sir. How the hell has RSS, even after what happened in 84, and you talk about it in detail in, in, you know, in this section, you have spoken about separatism, militancy in Punjab, what has happened in Punjab, RSS having these views. How the hell does the Congress, and I'll tell you, it is an anecdote, but, you know, I was recently going to my work and my driver was a Sikh, you know, the Ola cab driver. I know I'm giving you a Ola cab story, but it, this is just, you know, apropos to your book. And you now he said something in Punjabi that to see RSS nu galla karde jande ho te, you know, Congress ne ki kitta hai and, and, you know, his whole point was that why are we abusing them? I don't remember them doing anything, but, uh, and he was a Mumbai Sikh. I'm being very clear. He's like, I got other sources, but in Punjab, we don't get any other source. This is the only source available when it comes to Punjabi discourse. How the hell has this happened, sir? See, see, I would say, unfortunately, in India, politics has overtaken every kind of national issue. And especially with Congress looking at everything through political angle. Uh, we lost this uh, time of uh, creating really United Nation and uh, United Country uh, from partition itself. Because uh, if you uh, you go to the initial part of the Punjabi uh, book, you'll find how RSS worked for the people who, uh, who uh, we fought for the people, how it uh, went on to save Golden Temple and how it uh, got people securely into India and then uh, worked work the relief camps. It was the only big organization apart from military and police who worked for the rehabilitation of Punjabis. So this, this fear of RSS popularity is what drove Congress so much against RSS, so much against his stance. And as far as the Kalis are concerned, the book I talked about, which is, uh, now it can be told, the foreword was by Master Tara Singh. And Master Tara Singh, despite his very strong stand about Khalistan or, you know, special state for Sikhs and all, he was a staunch nationalist. He didn't want, uh, you know, Khalistan. He said, we need a respectable place like every other community in India. So he wrote the pre uh, for, uh, preface and in fact, he was one of the founding members of Vishwanthu Parishad. It was only in the 1970s, once, the, once he died and we had Sun Fateh Singh, etc. coming on the top, that you find that there was a big, huge change in Akali Dal politics, change with Anandpur Sahib resolution, etc. 
and then you know domination of one particular community group on akali dal and sgpc that is how things truly got deteriorated and when rss talked about uh, hindus and sikhs as uh, nails uh, you know nak aur naso ka sambandh jo hota hai nails and uh, blood vessels so that is the kind of relation that hindu sikhs have as you know uh, every family used to call, uh, have one son going to khalsa pant and they had intermarriages without any questions now there are questions in the new generation you find more and more difficult of punjab uh, you know sikhs and non sikhs getting married which was not a question asked at any time all through punjab's history that is the issue now which was never an issue so the fear of akali leaders was that see the youth was slowly giving up the strong practice of uh, panch kakka you know kesh kangi karpan etc they were also getting into uh, alcohol and all drugs etc the fear that this westernization will wean them away from uh, six so who is the fall guy rss so they thought rss will uh, get these people diluted they want to absorb they want to uh, assimilate uh, six but rss the hindu society never assimilated people uh, with the idea of uh, they giving their identity jains both sikhs everybody have their identity everybody has their own customs their own traditions they have never been disturbed but they are larger part of the larger family and roots are definitely you know through the same vedic thought in fact one of the book which is lying in uh, igncia which i wrote uh, during this covid time was a book on guru nanak in which i point out that despite all these tall claims of the uh, you know so called khalistanis you cannot claim that sikhs were in any way sikh thought was any way influenced by the islamic or christian thoughts guru nanak dev ji who traveled all over uh, world and went to makka also and he had long discussions with sufis with various maulvis and mullahs and all despite all this he never has one one doha very course muhammad or course quran there is not one place very course uh, jesus or bible though they were there and he knew about them there is not a single Uh, you know the doha in entire guru granth sahib from quran or from muhammad nor from jesus so guru nanak dev but when you compare his thoughts with the vedic thoughts they are unparalleled and i have quoted them in one of the last chapters that if uh, inspiration is there definitely the inspiration comes from vedic thoughts he simplified it he presented a reform a reformist angle to hinduism which was getting stuck in uh, ritualism which he criticized very openly so roots being same yes that's a different religion no doubt it's a different religion now but our family our thoughts our social intermixing was never a question so this is what the khalistanis feared and they have done wonderful work since last 30 40 years of creating a counter narrative based on macaulay's history written by british who dedicated his life to understanding sikhism and presenting in a way which suits their their purpose that is how the sgpc came into existence that is how slowly the now what is reference point of khalistan is no more the original writings of bhai gurdas etc who were the prime source of sikh history they now depend on macaulay they quote it and they use it to create a different kind of you know narrative for uh, sikh religion though nobody says it's the same religion as hindus but the cross the close uh, the close relations the common inspiration cannot be denied that is why they hate rss in fact there is a section where i say why uh, khalistanis hate uh, rss and rss paid a heavy price for that during the earlier terrorism days also yeah in fact you 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 know 
record and talk about the brutal killings of RSS workers. I just read one incident. In fact, you you state and reference multiple places where RSS workers are attacked. In fact, you even talk about it, and I don't want to delve a lot of it into that because we have to talk about Northeast and also take a few live viewer questions. But you know the the bit where how even the Khalistan movement, you know how the Akalis have messed things up and, and even inside the SGPC, how there were two factions and I mean that, that all that material was like eye-opening uh, if you ask to me personally. But now, sir, let's get into the Northeast. Um, so it's quite clear and, and uh, you know, the RSS has very strong views about what the role of the church has been in the Northeast. And, and in fact, uh, you know, you start uh, somewhere um, um, there about separatisms like in the book you say the title itself is the church behind uh, insurgency where you say the foreign christian missionaries had planted the seed of separatism in most of the northeast region there is no doubt that the church is the father and mother of insurgency in the northeast vinirola duke american indian scholar and activist and ashina beg uh, by tribal affiliation brings out the deep connect between colonialism and church where you then you use a quote paper law was the foundation of colonialism the church served as handmaiden to military economic and spiritual genocide and domination centuries of papal bulls posited the supremacy of christendom over all other beliefs sanctified manifest destiny and authorized even the most brutal practices of colonialism now now let's talk about this bit first in the northeast because this is a more generic issue and then maybe we can talk about the assam issue also which you have a dedicated separate section in the book so what do you think? How does one tackle this issue then? See, what you see here in uh, civilized, so-called civilized area or, you know, urban landscape, the face of church is very different from the face of church that is in tribal areas or in Northeast, where church is dominant. It's very difficult to work. It is very difficult for any other community to survive. And that is the reason why RSS chose the path of education, seva, and also a revival of indigenous culture. Because what happens when you when they convert people, it is not just conversion of way of uh, worship. They also ask you to throw away your gods, uh, break your idols, break your all traditional uh, whatever kind of worship you do, and stop uh, interacting with the family, other family members who don't convert. And also, they, in fact, I have, I have one section where I talk about how they try to change the language itself. And I've quoted African scholars who tell that how language, the script itself, becomes a tool of imperialism. So that is how they went about. So it's a very oppressive environment for anybody who wants to work there. So the strength of the tribal culture over years, they have found out that they have lost their culture, they have lost their customs. And now when those customs are celebrated, even people have converted to Christianity, they, if they don't fear church anymore, they join those celebrations, they enjoy the celebrations. Because what is tribal culture is basically, it's a nature worshipping culture and it uh, just the way Hindus do. In fact, when Vishwanthu Parishad uh, conference happened after Prayag, first one is Northeast. It's very important to note that Guruji realized the importance of Northeast. And he, they, connect, they collect a lot of local tribe heads and everybody in that conference. And when people said they eat beef, they eat cow and they also have this, uh, the, then Western people said some Purists said they are animists and they worship animals and all that. Uh, so how do you uh, treat them as Hindus? He said, we are also animists. 
we have a uh, nag mandirs we have we worship cow and we we worship many many uh, uh, creatures and similarly as tribal people do and for their own food habits they have certain compulsions that do it they will change over time but that doesn't make them less hindu but it refrain from you know putting them into the bracket of typical hindu thought as we see in the mainland areas or typical aram landscape he let them what they be and they just try to evoke the pride of those people in their own culture and their own tribes and their wonderful culture just like anywhere in the world the so called insulting or pagan similarly our own old tribes our janjatis they have wonderful culture wonderful uh, knowledge system which they which the westerners have tried to kill everywhere including india but i was told a very unusual story just off the track that uh, you know somebody told me a policeman told me the story in indore last time that one of the tribes who actually uh, who are uh, one person robbed a sahukar there and he ran away with a huge big bundle and he saw the man he said oh that fellow has run away from the huge bundle and a strong people so policeman caught hold of him he beat him the whole night and he was terribly he was about you know the person said jaane ka mar jayega they said they threw away the man in the open saying marwar gaya to apne upar nahi aana chahiye so next day when the guy went to the village this guy was sitting and you know having his hookah and all that he said are tu to marne wala tha tujhe kya ho gaya he said are wo hamari oja jo hai na usne mujhe dawai wagaira lagayi raat bhar wo dawai ke baad mein subah ekdam theek ho gaya so we had such wonderful medical systems all over in every tribal area like all natural systems have so that system their their respect for nature and the way they treat the entire society is wonderful so that was destroyed by these people and if you see they came to india in 1836 not only that they got special inner life permits so others don't enter those areas they can convert easily and the first insurgency happened immediately during the uh, freedom uh, 15 august 1947 just one day prior to that so this role of church which is not seen by the outside world is very 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 uh, i would say brutal when you go to northeast you realize that and i know one person who went went as a pracharak to northeast when i was young he came back within a year he could not handle it but there are people who live there for 8 years 20 years and they work there relentlessly they have been kidnapped some been killed so it's a very different church we see here and what is in northeast so the way out is said is to revive the local indigenous culture and they are now fighting back and that is the reason church is on the back foot it is a very small movement yet but there is a movement now and those people are trying to go back to their roots to feel connected to their own people connected to their earth mother earth they call it so that is why church is very uh, you know uh, defensive now that, that is why they hate rss and all its uh, other organs and one of the things that happened during this time as one of the pracharak was telling us returned is that earlier they had small very small worship places small churches but after they realized that tribals are you know reviving their own traditions and you know ready to fight back this conversion mafia they have started building huge church to show their power so <laughs> that is how they are on the defensive now so things have changed and that is why it is lot of time and patience people say rss kya kar raha hai kuch nahi kar raha ye wo sari baatein jo accuse karte hain they have to go and study the work done in north especially and how they dug in their heels and how the whole whole over years and they have tried to you know change the atmosphere there and what you see today in north is the result of all those 70 years of tapasya done by two three generations of pracharaks there is one story which i always talk about is about a uh, bhaiya ji kane who went from dombivali at inspiration of guruji started a school just about 6 kilometers 
from manipur uh, myanmar border in manipur in a village called akulu uh, uh, ukrul uh, yeah so it used to take two three days to climb up that place to run the school and then he wanted uh, tribal children to be brought to uh, mumbai and get the typical intercultural mixing and understanding we are all one and when it uh, when he decided to do it local people opposed it he said tum le jaoge bech doge kuch aur kar doge convert kar doge because rss seva kar rahe they never convert anybody even in north is they don't try to reconvert people who are christians or whatever they live in the hostels they live in hostels who are actually christians and having done that so they said okay i have got a student with me jayant konvilkar who is still there who still serves north is schools he said isko apne aas rakh lo i'll take the children if i don't come back you keep the child here and the child agreed <laughs> that is how the first movement of the uh, you know young students from uh, northeast came to mumbai and now slowly there are a lot of hostels where northeast students come study go back so this intermixing of the people uh, main people here and people from northeast which sunil dezar is also running my home my india so this activity itself was one of the major break uh, you know i would say ground breaking uh, movement there which uh, abp also did sunil devda did lot of people are doing but this was the seeding of that idea of we are one so one more now i want to talk about a little bit about assam but i want to read this excerpt from your book again you know you talk about this uh, in the assam and the whole assamese bengali language identity everything overall issue and you've written here do not discuss now the hatred for non assamese also rose from the unfortunate behavior of hindu bengalis they chose to stick to their own language even later and did not mix up easily with the local populace this attitude sent out a subtle message of contempt for the locals ironically muslim immigrants learnt assamese language and got absorbed in the local milieu bharat kumar recalls that during the british period bengali and marwadis came to assam Biharis came as daily wage earners. Biharis learned the local language and mixed with the local society. Bengalis and Marwadis did not do that. Their behavior with local society was not of equity or brotherhood, but smelt of superiority. When extremism rose, these people were the first targets. RSS, through its shakhas and social interaction, tried hard to reduce this gap, as noted by Madhukar Limay in his memoirs. Later, economic upliftment through education led to change for the better. Now again. this does not come out in the mainstream that people actually do not know this they will even again know, assume... honestly even i didn't know <laughs> uh-huh. again just like the punjab case the image is that even rss ki image kya hai ye hindi devnagari impose karne wale log hain and here you are writing something the complete opposite in this book yeah that is the reason i keep on writing on rss no <laughs> <laughs> I also discover new facets. I also discover new new things when you go and meet those people. For example, the the person you quoted, he went there as a pracharak. Now he he has settled there. He is working for northeast for last thirty two years. Imagine the dedication. He is a Rajasthani, and he openly talks about it. And even Madhukar Limaji talks about it. And in fact, the initial work of RSS did start with Rajasthan is there. They slowly uh, they realize that they will not do. They have to. Uh, they slowly they build up relations with the other members of the society. And this language issue, even I didn't know till I actually started researching. So a lot of things that we don't know, and a lot of things that RSS does has to come out. That is the reason, you know. I uh, find new and new facets to write about. It's, as I said, North is a typical example of very innovative approach of RSS to social issues, 
to social uh, you know problems and that is why i say the conflict resolution rss way because rss has typical way of looking at things totally ground up unfortunately the problem with the governing class is that knowing that rss has done some wonderful work it has ground intelligence never bother to interact with it never bother to take its point of view just dismiss it as communal in fact you look at jammu kashmir talked about people who wanted scrapping of 370 were called communal and those who wanted separate privileges of muslim they were called secular so this is the typical uh, confusion of our uh, uh, intelligentsia of our people and one of the b- most bitter or very sustained campaign that rss this was to differentiate between uh, people coming to india from Bang- bangladesh or earlier as east pakistan for economic gain and those who were persecuted throughout of uh, bangladesh it was not easy so darshan ji started that and it took a lot of time to convince people and as like years together and that idea of changing the the you know their the taking care of their economic issues whether through economic action or whether through education through reviving their knowledge system etc this is how slowly the society has regained its confidence and coming of modi ji has made huge difference as you see 2014 onwards this is not a magic just it's just a manipulation of political mm-hmm. parties that people believe in is the groundwork that has changed which has got the right philip with uh, coming of modi ji Hmm. I I want to read this bit sir where you say the RSS approach to the NER conundrum has been firm handling of insurgency with no quarter for violence and violent people nurture indigenous faiths so the people are rooted in their traditions feel confident and affectionate for their society and bring it co- closer to the ancient sanatan dharma work on the ground for the upliftment of the deprived population selflessly through education and projects of self reliance promote development by pushing for better use of government resources for the people work towards harmony rather than division by rediscovering common elements between different sections of the society bring about emotional integration with rest of india with people to people contact but the image created now these are things that you have extracted directly out of rss resolutions and basically stated but Oh my goodness the, the public image created is a complete opposite of this they are creating disharmony in society they are creating difference in the society they create uh, you know jisko bolte na darare dalna kind of a thing but sir now uh, i'm conscious of our time also so let me start taking a few questions now obviously i mean i can't stop people from asking contemporary questions but something very interesting that stood out to me somebody shared this deccan chronicle article where they 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 asked this question that uh, you know in the rss tamil nadu chief said that there are a lot of commonalities between periyar and rss's commitment to social justice uh, from where was this comment coming from is this coming from uh, ignorance or was he trying to say something larger because the article is very small and the person has shared the article too See, I mean, I'm surprised. The Periyar's entire movement is based on misinformation, wrong interpretation of history, insulting people, insulting history, insulting various castes in the name of uh, rationality and totally irrational interpretation of history and culture. Where our RSS has never have has any contempt for any religion, has never contempt for any caste or class. It has always found common grounds to bring people together. in fact there is a story which i have quoted in some other book where dmk people who were in jail with rss people during emergency 
they were also supported by rss volunteers who were outside their families were taken care of they were also provided whatever facilities or food etc would go and the, they came out with a totally changed mindset so this is pure propaganda there is no fact at all in fact uh, who stood up against periyar it was rss basically hindu manani there and when this you know ganesha procession started going out for visarjan in chennai it became a huge movement and dmk really, really lost its thing uh, how to fight it and not only that because of that the slowly insult of hindu gods which was you know rama would take ram sita would take on a procession with the garlands of chappal etc they stopped so it stopped because hindu society pushed back so that pushback came from rss and its related organizations and never in you can find nowhere rss insulting any caste any thinker or any philosophy uh, at all including islam if you look at rss literature not in one place any leader has talked ill of islam or christianity they have talked about the conversion issue talked about the dominance of that church or dominance of uh, islamist thoughts which has resulted in hate but they have not inserted any of their ideas so not at all periyar and rss has nothing in common rss has taken rational stand of iron dividend uh, divide or iron dividend theory of invasion etc which is correct and what has periyar got some british historian writing some the kind of bs on which they claim their entire history or the dravid divide etc not only that see the funny part is that they are fine with the uh, with the kartika murugan but they are not fine with ganesha they are not fine with the shiv uh, shivji so you don't like you like one and you don't like others and you don't like the father so this is is it rationality raja rajachola doesn't get right place of pride in dravidian literature or the dk literature not dravidian literature dk literature because he built a huge wonderful temple of shiva what is irrationality there and whether you stick to an unscientific claim of uh, aryan dravidian divide about linguistic issues etc whether you reconcile with the history and still you might claim okay social equity whatever dr ambedkar criticized hindu uh, caste system he criticized hindu uh, scriptures also but rss never criticized ambedkar but he was within the dharmic fold he never went to the other side so when he criticized he never insulted so the difference he never created hate what he said was based on experience that is the reason hindu society respected him tried to uh, re- resolve the issues which actually uh, you know uh, are a problem for hindu society so there is this difference it never asked for ban of any ambedkar books even the books where readers of hinduism etc it has never asked for ban on periyar books etc it has fought idea with idea that is why the dks are very flummox now that what to do in tamil nadu so whatever they do slowly that thought thought of pushing back this hateful dravidian narrative is uh, been taken care of the local society now all right one another viewer has asked this question the the, the whole dna same hai comment was it coming from the context of vasudeva kutumbakam kind of a scenario and a sarva dharma samabhav kind of a thing was that the emotion behind it you are talking about mohanad bhagat statement yes, right sir sankaram ji yeah now see how do we look at it is our own our own choice i have written about it twice i have written two articles one when i explained that common dna is a fact of life whether you agree or not we are two brothers we can have same dna we can fight we can fight like enemies we can kill each other but that doesn't uh, take away the fact that we are common dna similarly what he said was about historically how we come from the same stock our our forefathers our culture is same 
and this dna word is also by dr subramanian swami if you remember he is one of the earliest one to talk about it so you cannot deny it you can say okay even korapanda are the same dna but krishna try to resolve the problem saying that you are from the same dna of the family ultimately there was a war and everybody died and it was no way gain for anybody having said that when rss says is that is seen through the worst period of partition it is from the worst period of hindu muslim animosity but knowing that we have to live together so what is the common ground on which we can come together but this is speaking from the position of strength having organized hindus to a level where hindu society now talks back takes uh, uh, takes you know a strong protest uh, strong uh, 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 protest for anything which goes against his interest that level has reached 96 years of hard work on the ground so now we are speaking from position of strength that if you come with us we can live together enjoy life together progress together and if still somebody refuses like obviously then well he can you know go and take a walk or he can create destruction and then hindu society is not going to sit back and say okay bhai hum to bhai hai maar dalo wo gandhi ji ne bola tha hopla ke samay partition ke samay sangh ne kabhi nahi bola one of the major grouse of uh, congress was that uh, sangh refused to dilute his stand during partition time so situation changes times change and accordingly you have to present same idea in a different manner but the key point is that are they now for example the new cap, new capital of indonesia has been named about on the basis of the Indi- their own indigenous kingdom which came from chola uh, uh, empire times they are muslims but they have chosen a, a name which is which belongs to their ancestry so why can't muslims of bharat accept it especially those who stayed back there is no difficulty so you have to keep on telling and story that number is increasing or say yes we are we are sons and the daughter of the same soil we are same forefathers so it is a difficult job but do we have to keep a window or a door a door a little open for such people or not that is a question it is not that there is no sense of shatru bodh bodh as many people claim that rss has no sense of shatru bodh it has worked it has worked to when we say okay why we are talking of uniting what is typical called sanatani hindu because unless that society becomes strong nobody will listen to it so you can keep on saying hindu ishwar allah tero naam gandhi said it and we had partition we had millions killed but when you say as from position of strength if they want to live a peaceful life those people have to come with them. what is the common ground common ground is a common heritage common forefathers common culture and you have to remind remind them about it somebody doesn't still believes he has come from arbistan let him go back to arbistan they can create they can create animus and we can have another civil war who knows so whether destruction self destruction or destruction society is better or trying to resolve problem from a position of strength that yes hindus are now strong enough to stand up and you know offer this uh, option of being part of the society it's up to people how they take it to say that we have forgotten that from where we come sorry we lost millions of people we lost uh, hundreds of rss people who died during partitions protecting their own people they have done work for them they have fought everywhere there is required to you know push back this uh, uh, aggression of the society but time has come anybody who says so please ask them what is the solution they have to offer mm-hmm. true so onus Now, is on people who believe that you know rss stand stance is wrong and we have to simply finish that other people who are supposed to be enemies or throw back into pakistan or throw back in arabian sea exactly. what is the methodology they have in mind i would like them to know but rather than just cribbing about rss this person may be honestly saying it i am not saying he but people who are creating a whole hype for last so many months i only respectfully say please give a solution 
उसके बारे में Uh, I, I don't want to get into whether the question is right or wrong. I'm just asking it because it is relevant to the section of the book. Uh, why did RSS support Congress in 1980s, and doesn't splitting Jammu and Kashmir into two actually give the soft separatists their own fiefdom? Can you speak a little louder? I am getting a voice at a low. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I'll re, re uh, I'll reread the question. Why did the RSS support Congress in 1980s, and doesn't splitting Jammu and Kashmir into two actually give the soft separatists their own fiefdom to run? I do not know from where the question comes. When did RSS support uh, Congress in 1980? I do not know because RSS, as far as Jammu Kashmir uh, is concerned, I have never found anything where RSS supports Congress because Congress had been. a follower of uh, sheikh abdullah and uh, all these families right from beginning they have bowed and kowtowed to whatever those families do so i have no reason to understand from where this question comes honestly okay this is why i asked it because i could not find any reference to it in the book uh, myself if the person uh, can give up a reference send a reference to you i can find out i can research but i have done enough research never to find any such uh, you know uh, support etc Now this question is about Goa. This is more out of curiosity. Someone has said RSS members participated in the Goa freedom struggle. Did the RSS pass similar resolutions when it came to Goa? And do you have any plans to write about that too in the future? See Goa. Like, there are some people are writing about Goa, and uh, I don't think I'll need to write. There are people already writing. But yes, RSS talked about liberation of Goa, and that is why it it gave full support to Satyagraha for Goa. In fact, its sangachalaks from uh, Ujjain was one of the people who actually died with a bullet through his eyes. Bhavra um, uh, Mahakal or Mahakal, I remember. I don't remember the first name. Jagannath Joshi, who later became BJP uh, Jansang's top leader, who led the Satyagraha. More than five thousand people joined. and all through from konkan everywhere every rss family was supporting them in terms of food and uh, staying arrangement etc in fact dadar nagar uh, dadar nagar haveli was liberated by rss people directly and there is story in my book sang and swaraj where i write in detail how rss people actually attacked the chokis and got the portuguese uh, soldiers to surrender and uh, flew the uh, tricolor and handed over the administration to indian government that is before goa it's a fact of life all right this question is i think more about a recent announcement even as, the... you know uh, 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 many swamsak top leaders sudhir phadke ji was one of the key members of that liberation struggle and he tried till hard he was one of the people who continuously tried to get uh, mohan ranade ji released from portuguese jails can you imagine that he was in jails after liberation of goa for nearly 16 17 years in portuguese jails Wow. nobody knows about it i have got this uh, book with me 
So, sir, this question I think stems from the recent thing where uh, I think IITs had this whole uh, diversity, equity, inclusion department or whatever they decided, and it is more about uh, I think I I I mean I don't understand half the question, so I'll reframe it and ask it to you. So, what are the RSS views on reservations overall, reservations in education? What is the way forward, and how do we tackle this whole new woke disease that is coming into academia? You're talking of reservations, basically, right? Reservations and also vocism coming in. To do you think vocism could hijack the whole reservation process in India too? Well, vocism is a kind of disease which has gotten in the West and also trying to make its place in Indian society. Luckily, it is still limited to elite, so-called elite institutions like JNU and other typically English-speaking crowds, but has not seeped into the society as such. It's very difficult to do that. They tried all of earlier ideas, cultural studies, or you know, dividing on all the fault lines. It has not succeeded yet. But yes, uh, English speaking or so-called elite left-controlled institutions have this problem. This is one of the reasons I believe IITs were asked to introduce humanities because all those dumbbats could not get into IIT on their own uh, with brains. So they had to get somehow, and they started humanities there. So you find professors who sit there do nothing. In the life, once I was discussing with IIT B group of teachers, I said, uh, when they can throw a resolution, they can create a signature campaign, etc. They can create disaffection among students and explode all kind of theories. Why don't you respond? He said, "See, we are serious professors. We have to get our students passed. We have to get their projects through. But these people who come to IIT through humanities, they just come, they sit in the department. Their only job is to propagate their left ideas." They don't bother about any promotion. They don't bother about students' projects. So there is a huge difference between how we look at IIT work that we do and others. Just one example: what happens there? So there is no need to, uh, you know, uh, fight back against wokeism. It is more to strengthen our own views, which RSS does, which a lot of people like you and who are not even RSS members are doing. Now, luckily, Hindutva movement has moved out of RSS. It has become part of the social movement, which RSS always wanted to. And with their own different approaches, their own way, a lot of people are doing work, which is great, especially in the intellectual space. A lot of work is being done, and I think that is good enough. We have to just spread our dharmic ideas in a modern context, in the way they understand. So that is how things will change. All right, sir. So I guess I've asked all the questions. So before we wrap things up, uh, you know, any closing comments that you would like to say? well as you have pointed out i would just request people to read this book it will it is not just question of what rss does and how it will change their view about rss it is a, it is also very important academic work which tells you how social conflicts can be handled where volunteer organizations can play a very positive role it also is like a contemporary helicopter view of the indian uh, you know uh, india since independence and that's very important because it is a very different perspective about what was happening in India in all these 70-75 years. And it also is not just, you know, Mala Japna of RSS, as you have seen in the book. It may be one-third RSS, two-third of outside references, outside uh, narratives and outside views of people who have nothing to do with RSS and which only are used to convey the right atmosphere at the time these things happen. So it can be very, it can be a very balanced view of what is happening at the time, what RSS thought rightly or wrongly, how it views on the long term prove to be correct. And when you look at national issues, you must think in terms of long term national vision, not in terms of short term gains or losses or in terms of become unpopular. 
whether in Punjab or Jammu Kashmir or anywhere else, but to stand for what you think is right. So if you read the book, you'll find all these things mentioned there. And you can then think on your own. All right, uh, guys, I think we'll uh, wrap today's discussion up. But before we wrap it up, I just want to make a few comments. I mean, I've read Shardaji's books in the past too. But when I was reading this book, I th- I told Shardaji before we started today's discussion, I think this is arguably his best book. And I'll, I'll share my views why this book is very important. A, it is, it is maybe slightly more academic, but I like that bit. Um, the biggest advantage of this book is now you have a well-researched, well-sourced, properly referenced book where anybody talks about at least in the realm of Jammu and Kashmir, Punjab and the Northeastern region, you can actually go to a book, you can get citations, you can check the references and maybe you can write 500 essays just out of it. You know, just instances like the Punjabi Suba issue, the Punjabi language issue, the RSS view on multiple things in Jammu and Kashmir, the RSS uh, view on, you know, how certain Hindus are not merging into the Assamese culture. There are so many aspects to it. I just covered a few because this is like a 400 page plus book. But the point is the strength of this book is that it is extremely well referenced. Now they can't say anything. For everything there is a reference. Everything gets checked out. So especially if you're a you know you're a writer who writes essays or you write on Substack, I think this this book is a treasure trove. It is a must read for everyone. And I have to commend Shardaji for for writing this book. I think this is his best book. So I insist each and every one of you, please go and buy this book, read it, take your time, you know, read it slowly because you are going, you're going to have a lot of uh, shocks when you read it. You're going to digest a lot of things. Um, I, I did not know many things, honestly. When I read this book, I was like, whoa, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I mean, Sharadaji was honest. He didn't know when he was researching about, about the RSS. And he's the RSS guy. So I think you took a lot of time to read this book, in fact, I think. Yeah. And 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 I think this is a fantastic book. So, so sir, sir, thanks a lot for writing this book. I think this was uh, fantastic. So and And thanks a lot for coming to chat with me. Thanks a lot, Kushal. Thanks for calling me. And also, thanks for recommending the book. And I do think it will give a very good uh, contemporary idea about various national issues, not just RSS. Thank you so much. All right, guys, time to wrap today's discussion up. Once again, when you go into the description of uh, this video, or if you're listening to the audio version, there will be a link to buy this book. I insist each and every one of you to buy this book. Please read it patiently and then get a holistic view. A lot of accusations are thrown on the RSS about multiple issues. At least now you have a book that can deal with on three specific subjects. Yes, it is 400 pages, but damn it, if you want to have well-researched material, you have to read it. And you know, you can't see, you know, you can't play it both ways. On the one hand, you say RSS does not write. And then when it does write and writes with references, you refuse to read it. Then the problem lies with you. Then the problem does not lie with the RSS, to be very honest. And as far as I'm concerned, please support the Charvak podcast. You know, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave your comments there. Follow Shardaji on social media, on Twitter. I've left his Twitter handle in the description too. And please support the Charvak podcast too. You can become a member on YouTube or you can become a patron on Patreon or you can buy the merchandise on Kadak Merch or on kushalmehra.com or send your donations to UPI. I'll see you next time with another interesting discussion. Until then, namaste, take care. See you next time. <laughs>